0: Welcome to our Dental Business Transaction podcast. I have great pleasure in welcoming back Martin Howe. For those that don't know, Martin heads up the Lilyhead Finance team, a team of brokers for practice purchase finance, refinancing, asset finance, and also patient finance. So it's very timely. Um, I guess your phone is ringing and glowing red, a bit like the, uh, the bat phone from operators and uh, buyers, that are just keen to know what's going on with interest rates and how that might affect them and how that might play out over the, over the coming months.
1: <laughs> I guess if it's the bat phone, I must be Batman, but um, thank, thanks very much for uh, asking me to join the podcast this, uh, today, Abby, yeah, really, really appreciate that.
0: So it's over the headlines, but just remind me, where are we with interest rates at the moment? Where are they sitting?
1: Okay, well, well Bank of England base rate currently stands at two and a quarter percent, so two point two five percent. Um, but it's um, you know reflecting really on on the last twelve months, we've seen seven base rate changes. So back last December, if you can remember that far back, base rate was just 0.10%. So there's been a significant shift in the core, core funding rate for borrowers.
0: So some rapid change over a short period of time. So for business owners and prospective buyers, what does it mean to them in terms of these interest rate hikes? And is there any way that they can kind of navigate and manage this situation?
1: Uh, Well, I I should say first of all that advice on managing uh, interest rate risk is a highly regulated area and Lily Head Finance is not authorised to provide advice on selecting a fixed rate product or indeed a specific term for a fixed rate. However, in, in our conversations with clients, we will do our best to identify the key considerations when they're choosing between the option of a fixed or a variable rate loan product. And, and also, how they might best quantify the risks based on the amount they're borrowing, so obviously the the higher the amount of borrowing you know the, great, the greater the um, the downside risk of of interest rate rises uh, affecting their profit. What, what I can say is that interest from borrowers in fixed rate options is increasing and um, you know almost every transaction this is this is now a topic of discussion and and when we put a transaction out to competitive tender. Most lenders are putting a lot more emphasis on the fixed rate options when they when they quote. Uh, in a in a rising interest rate market, Abby, it's usually very difficult to get ahead of the curve. You know the debt markets. You know, obviously, follow economic conditions, and they've already priced into their fixed rate products a rise in the Bank of England base rate. So. Fixed rates currently being quoted by the main clearing banks are around 25 or probably closer to 3% or more higher than the current base rate. So it's already priced in. So whilst therefore a fixed rate will protect against future interest rate rises beyond that fixed rate, in the short term the borrower has to accept they'll be paying more than on a variable rate loan until such time as base rate catches up with the fixed rate they've selected. The, the other thing to, to remember, of course, is that you know market rates can come down as well as up, and you know none of us can rule out a scenario where you know the inflation is back under control and the Bank of England sees fit to cut rates to stimulate an economic recovery. So borrowers should also therefore research the likely early repayment penalties on a, on a fixed rate loan that they've chosen, particularly if they're looking at future product. Projects or a future refinancing is planned. A lender was telling me the other day that um, their research shows that fixed-rate loans are usually broken after four and a half years because the borrower usually finds a a follow-on project or some other event happens that means that they need to come out of the fix. So it is is wise to look at uh, repayment penalties as well as the fixed rate being offered. So so whilst we don't have the proverbial crystal ball, you know, even the best economists often fail to call events like the banking crisis and the dot-com bubble, periodic market crashes and recessions, they all they all happen and and sometimes it's you know, it's wise after the event, but it's very worthwhile consulting with an experienced credit broker before you take any decision. There are some very significant differences in fixed rates. And also, very importantly, in the early repayment charges that each bank applies.
0: So, Martin, I'm talking to practice owners um, on a regular basis that have current debt. Um, What would your advice be for those um, existing operators?
1: Okay, that's that's a good question. I mean, as part of my engagement with a client, I'd also take a close look at the debt maturity profile of a dental business across all of their financial agreements. So many practices will have taken out Um, a a bounce back loan or a C bill during the pandemic and for the most part these will now be repayable over the next four to five years and also many practices will have taken the opportunity during lockdown to invest in new surgeries new equipment and general refurbishment possibly during the closure and in large part this will have been financed on hp or possibly leasing agreements or unsecured business loans And all of those products most probably have repayment profiles of five to seven years. Hopefully fixed interest rates will apply to a lot of this debt. And so they are less exposed to rising rates. But the short term repayment nature of the products means that there could be possibly be placing a lot of pressure on cash flow where other overheads such as materials, utilities and staff costs are also creeping up.
0: So, Martin, what does that mean for the for, for practices that maybe have C-bills or shorter-term debt? What are the options for them?
1: Um, well, I think quite, it's quite important to emphasise that lenders tend to be reluctant to refinance short-term debt over a longer term. The exception is sometimes where the proposal includes a new significant investment, such as a, a follow-on practice purchase, maybe purchasing the freehold, extending the premises – or perhaps a buyout deal, and in, in those cases, then provided the short-term debt is relatively modest in relation to the total funding requirement, then it may be possible to wrap it up in the medium-term loan. And this could then both offer a lower rate of interest and also importantly lower monthly repayments. The, the the key The key action really for an owner-operator is to discuss your options first with an experienced commercial finance broker. You know, don't don't risk a decline from your existing bank. Because once a proposal is declined, it's almost impossible to get a lender to reverse its decision. These types of proposals need a detailed presentation from someone who's familiar with bank credit appetite. And it usually needs the influence of a competitive tender to secure the best terms.
0: So what what you're really saying is, if you have got existing debt, it's worth that time exploring the whole profile, um, not ignoring these things and you know not burying your head in the sand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think one one final point is to remind borrowers to check the committed term of their loan, and this this might possibly be a much shorter period than the repayment term. It, it sort of works. My analogy really is, it works rather like a, a freeholder break clause in a lease. Where, if the documentation may permit, the lender to initiate a change in the terms of the borrower's facility when the commitment period ends, and that that's typically, if there is a committed uh, committed fixture period, it's usually around five years. So every five years, the the bank or the lender has an opportunity to revisit the terms, and that that might entail a change in the interest rate margin or additional security. Um, And in extremis, it might also offer the bank the option of seeking full repayment of the borrower's loan. So it would certainly be advisable for all owner operators to check their lending agreements um, for, for those committed breaks and to check at least six months before any commitment period expires with the bank. That is the bank's intention to renew the loan and on what terms. And if the response from the bank is negative... Or, in any way ambiguous, then the borrower should seek an urgent consultation with an experienced commercial credit broker
0: that 's um, great advice. Um, so what would you need in terms of time from an operator or information for you to look at this with somebody
1: I mean mo- most transactions or you know that we review will start with a with a telephone conversation. Um, you know, to to get a, a feel for what's what's possible, we we need to see the unabre- unabbreviated financial statements of the business for the last three years, and you know a lot a lot of information on on on, on the business is usually available through the pub public record, but um, it's always helpful to have have the owner operator run you through a little brief synopsis and synopsis of the history of their ownership, the key events, what they purchased the business for, what the current debt profile looks like. And then we can run a financial model to see whether there is any merit in changing things around but as I said if, you know, it's ideal if there's a transaction on which to base the refinance because uh, you know the, lend- the lender then gets uh, the opportunity to lend fresh money as well as refinancing existing debt
0: we're facing an energy crisis and double digit inflation so in addition to refinancing what advice do you have for practice owners
1: i suppose if, we, if, we, if we're looking at sort of general business advice and i, I guess my number one tip for dental practice owners as it would be for any business owner is to know your numbers you uh, know wh- whatever the size of your business you do need a financial dashboard um that sort of motor vehicle that motor vehicle analogy is is not really misplaced you, you need not only to know the speed you're traveling but but also importantly the cruising speed of the business what i mean by that is where activity is not outstripping the financial the human and the material resources of the business you know the the, the you know what what a bank would term as over trading um so it's that that sort of if you exceed that cruising speed then you can impact negatively on the patient experience but also on the staff experience too and, and ultimately your financial stakeholders so that that's quite important to uh to have your finger on the pulse in terms of the financial financials of the business it 's probably stating the obvious, but nevertheless, you know keep a close eye on costs um, and and always aim to widen the gap between fee income and total costs, what they call the jaws of the business, um, so much upward pressure at the moment on both variable and fixed costs, and also from the top line on on the patient wallet. Um, this this economic climate will, will make this you know a less than easy task for owner operators. But by close monitoring of your numbers on at least a monthly basis, you at least have have a feel for what, what in Im, what impact some of these external factors are having on your dental practice. Um to sort of carry on the analogy, the full the fuel gauge is similarly important. So checking how much liquidity does the business have in its in its petrol tank, both in terms of hard cash, but also the headroom in any revolving credit lines the business may have? And, and how does that amount of liquidity compare to the monthly fixed costs of the business?
0: So Martin, this is something we advise our business owners uh, to get a grip of when they're selling their business, making sure they know their numbers. But for current practice owners managing their business through this environment, what kind of approach should they have to knowing their numbers? How often should they look at it, etc.?
1: I guess the start point is, is to look backwards firstly and, and review the direction of key costs over the past two years, and then and then lay down a forward rolling monthly budget for the next twelve months. So you're actually monitoring uh, actual costs against against that budget, so you can see where differences start to arise and then formulate action plans also important to have a have a tight diary framework to review the budget. It's easy to to do a budget and then put it back in the drawer and not not look at it again until the twelve month annual cycle is completed so ideally to to review that monthly and also have the capacity within that budget to model different scenarios so you could test the impact on the business of inflation on certain cost lines, you know particularly the larger overhead categories. And I would also do what I could to reduce or contain non-business critical costs and build some headroom to cover those costs. I know that I can't easily control, you know, particularly things like 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 energy. Um, I, finally, my message to business owners is if your team are under pressure, then look at processes first before you grow headcount. And if you're convinced you need to hire, then aim to do it on a fractional basis. And by that, I mean... Hiring arms and legs where you can rather than full bodies.
0: Absolutely, because um, we often find that process um, can be one of the weaker areas. Data and process in business. So by looking at those things as opportunities for efficiency and to get more out of potentially what you have uh, by putting the processes, which can be systemised in place.
1: Absolutely, I think you start with systems first. Don't just don't throw people people at the problem, you know, until until you really have to. So, so, so Abby, we, we've we've talked about these difficult economic conditions. What 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 do these conditions actually mean for practice owners who are looking to sell?
0: Your advice for owners and maybe a bit earlier in their journey. A lot of it actually applies to those uh, looking to sell. Uh, much of your advice about getting a grip on the business is is incredibly important as as well but of course um, the market can change Um, the selling market that you're operating in can change uh, depending on environmental factors that could be demand um, the availability of finance the cost of borrowing so those are the environmental factors from what we've seen there still seems to be a much a significant demand still exists for practices and that's with associate dentists looking for uh, their first practice. About 51% of our practices go to first-time buyers. There's a lot of appetite there. Ambitious um, associates that want financial freedom. They want to realize their business ambitions. They want uh, clinical autonomy. Um, So there's a lot of appetite in the market. And also that goes for um, investors from PE houses established corporates and small groups uh, because dentistry is still relatively uh, unconsolidated um, so a lot of interest in dentistry which will help uh, retain the practice values but i think the cost of borrowing will influence the market we've had um, low cost for getting money for a long time now and I'm sure that's been a factor in fueling where we are today in terms of values. But our job as a dental broker is to get you the best result out of the market at any one time. As a business owner, you can support that outcome by number one, focusing on the business performance, focusing on maintaining the profits of the business in an environment where the cost of doing business is increasing. A business valuation is a multiple of the profit. So if the profit margin squeezes, then valuations would potentially come down. So it's really important to focus on profit. Also, by focusing on profit, you are supporting the buyer with their funding because the debt capacity of a business is very much based on the performance of your business and the profit that your business produces year on year. So getting a grip of your business, focusing on your numbers, your vision, your marketing strategy, and the future of your business is incredibly important. Just thinking about the analogy of the dashboard you had earlier, looking through the windscreen into the future in the current conditions by setting budgets and forecasts and reviewing those is more important than ever.
1: On, on that on that point, Abby, how 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 far out from a a planned exit from a business should 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 they be speaking to you know a professional like yourself to get a get a get a feel for the actions they might need to take over that period? I mean, is is you know three years or or, or longer? Is that is you know because you know to get to get your finances in shape, your your contracts sorted out, your your business really humming to the point that you know buyers are going to be very keen to purchase? We're, what, at what point should people be speaking to you?
0: Well, we're getting people come to us earlier and earlier, um, but I would say five years is probably the sweet spot, um, but there's no harm in in looking earlier than that. Uh, and one piece of advice is to have regular valuations because it's about the performance of your business matched to the market. The market changes and You want to see how your business is valued in that current market. So to keep track on that, we really advocate having annual valuations as part of that fact finding process. And I was going to say that the the second thing that gets you the best out of the market um, if you're a seller in in the next few years is that time to get your ducks in a row. So even if you're not working on the business performance to make sure that you have all your contracts in the right place and then matters that do affect your value, like your property in the right condition, looking at the property value versus the business value um, and navigating that, looking at, you know, any lease issues that you need to sort out. These are all matters that if you can get your practice packaged in the best possible shape, it is going to get you the best result. Um, And um, thirdly, really, I think the number one thing that gets you the best out of the market is going to the whole market and having a competitive environment. That's how you really know what your business is worth and that's how you allow your broker to leverage the best terms and the best deals. I've known that uh, uh, when somebody's had a direct approach or negoti- negotiated with a selected buyer, and then we've reverted to a whole market approach, um, you know we've had in excess of five hundred thousand pounds more from a competitive um, situation. So, three things: business performance, getting your ducks in a row, and getting the competitive and whole market view. I think that's my you know three nuggets of advice for current operators looking. Uh, to sell in the near future.
1: No, I'm sure that's that's very helpful to the listeners. So uh, thank you for that, Abby.
0: Martin, we've spoken about existing operators, um, but they often tell me that they have existing relationships with a bank. Um, what is the value that a credit broker could bring bring to them in those circumstances?
1: Okay, I mean, it's it's fair to say, Abby, that most mainstream lenders are keen to grow their dental asset book. However, you, you do need to inject that incentive of competition into every significant transaction to get the best deal. And sometimes you need to do it just to get a deal. Um, I think operators should not always expect their bank manager to have the same enthusiasm for their proposal as they have. Um, and that bank manager may need to be convinced or perhaps just have it explained to them in terms that address the bank agenda. So talking to them in in bank speak, um, it's it's another reason to have someone in your corner who's sat around the other side of the table or sat on the bank manager's side. We We use a slick competitive tender process to get a range of offers on a funding opportunity, usually typically within two to three working days. And, and we also complete a detailed proposal for the lender so the owner-operator doesn't have to sit down and compose a lengthy, lengthy business plan. And, and the objective of that tender really is to secure the best terms and pricing from our Tier 1 panel of lenders. You know, they're, they're looking to win business, not just retain a dental customer. And therefore, this competitive tender means they've, have, they've got every incentive to put their best terms out first. We'll, we'll always recommend to a client that they include their existing bank in this process and they get the same proposal document and the same financial analysis that the other lenders get on exactly the same day. And this is really the only true way you can be confident that you've secured the best terms available.
0: But Martin, wouldn't um, the existing bank know the business better than anybody else?
1: You, you, you might think that, Abby, but I mean, client, clients often assume that a long-standing banking relationship will equate to a deep and detailed understanding of their business on the part of the bank, you know, but, you know, everybody knows there's frequent relationship manager changes and, you know, there are variations in the, in the quantity and the quality of the non-financial information that a bank will actually retain on a business over and above, you know, their financial accounts. And over a period of time, it is very difficult for the bank to keep track of a fast moving business. So it's absolutely vital to refresh the information, you know, at every opportunity when there's a proposal on the table to bring everything up to date and to identify and promote, you know, the strengths and potential of a business, but but also fairly to acknowledge threats and weaknesses because undoubtedly underwriters will identify them. But the trick is to... Produce mitigants for those risks to get to get the lender comfortable. Um, show the lender how management and managing and mitigating those risks is crucial.
0: So something I actually hear a lot, I hear a lot of this in my brokerage. Um, somebody buying their second or third practice say, well, I'm already got a strong relationship with whatever bank, bank number one. Um, and they go back there for maybe what they think is going to be perceived as an easier process or a more successful answer.
1: I mean, when you spoke earlier about, you know, you know introducing comp- competition through the sales process, the, sa- the same goes exactly on, on, on the finance side. You know, it's a similar, similar principle, you know, and, you know, and, and bank, banks understand, understand that, that it is a competitive business. You know it's interesting that you know terminology really speaks volumes about the bank's priority i mean lenders talk about credit risk they don't talk about credit potential you know the 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 bank the bank manager's job is to lend money but he also needs to see it safely returned on maturity so that so that depositors are comforted that the the the, the assets are turning over and the the business business loans are being recovered you know the, the banking crisis was a salutary lesson on how a bank balance sheet is structured and the impact on depositors' confidence if assets turn sour. So, you know, an existing bank will, will look just as closely at a proposal as, as a new as a new bank and by introducing that competition, you can ensure that you get the best terms. If those terms are from your existing bank and you don't need to uh, transfer your banking or or recharge your security, then that's great, but unless you've tested that through a formal process, you will never, you will never know. Um, and presenting proposals to lenders it is a specialist discipline. You know that's that's why successful businesses often seek the advice and expertise of ex-bankers who've been engaged for many years in lending money at the sharp end. You know credit. Uh, professionals who know intuitively what the bank, banks need to know and hear
0: right okay so with the banks in a competitive uh tender getting one bite at the cherry i presume they're all pretty similar
1: um i mean that that's an assumption i guess you know our listeners will have properly shared having listened to uh, the, the the podcast but all the lenders offers will be closely bunched and uh you know, the the obverse of a prize, actually, it's usually far from the case. I mean, our experience is that the interest margin, the fees, the repayment periods, the security requirements can vary quite significantly from lender to lender. And that's all the more reason to use the services of a credit broker and canvas more widely before you make a decision.
0: Absolutely. that You know, it's more than just the interest, isn't it? It's the whole package uh that needs that expert eye
1: yeah it, and the devil's in the detail you know it's uh, yeah everybody fix fixes on the interest rate as being being the key key determinant but there are a lot of other factors that need to be taken into consideration before you put you know you entrust your business in the in the hand, hands of a bank
0: so thank you for sharing with us today martin um Listening to this, it's everybody's business, whether you're looking for that first practice, you're an owner um, or looking to look at your overall uh, lending um, profile. Have you got any final words for our listeners today?
1: Well, firstly, I think to to, to wish all of our listeners every success in the months and years ahead. You know, the, the UK has weathered previous recessions and it's weathered a global banking crisis and patients will still need your professional expertise. To quote the American marketing guru, Jay Abraham, um, as soon as you open your mind to doing things differently, then the doors of opportunity practically fly off their hinges. We love to talk business, so please do call and discuss your plans. We would be delighted to help. I can be reached through our website, www.lilyheadfinance.co.uk, or directly via my email address, mh at lilyheadfinance.co.uk. Many thanks, Abby, for asking me to join the podcast today. Really, really appreciated speaking to you.
0: Thanks, Martin. That just leaves me to say um, goodbye until our next um, podcast. Remember, you can listen to our podcast on Podbean, Spotify or via YouTube. Um, or just give us a call if you want to discuss any of these matters further thank you